0: time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did, because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart, they've got passion for God, they're leading intercession on their schools, they're set apart, consecrated under God, and they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Is there anybody that loves Jesus in the house? If you're happy to be here, say, I am. All right. We're in this yearbook series. Thanks for being here tonight. Last week we talked a little bit about uh, lead now and I want to continue talking along that theme again tonight. Everybody in this room is a leader. Say I'm a leader. Say I'm a leader. Say lead. Look at the person next to you. Say I'm a leader. Say I'm a leader. All right, good. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for what you're doing here, Lord God, at DSM. We thank you for what you're doing in our city. We thank you for the campuses that we get the privilege to attend over the course of this next year. And God, we don't take it lightly that you've called us to be your salt and your light, your hands and your feet, that you've called us to pray and you've called us to love and you've called us to serve these students on these campuses across town. And God, we just confess we are so used to being complacent that we don't even have an image in our mind of what it looks like to be radical for Jesus on campus but God we want it we want to run movies in our head of what you've called us to do and then we want to go do it we want to imagine a different day a different outcome from another apathetic year we want to be filled with passion we want intercession to mark us we want to be consecrated and we want to be on mission we want to fulfill the mission of Jesus on every campus in this city in this year We love you. We honor you. And everybody said, amen. Amen. A number of years ago, my brother and I took a a bunch of teenagers uh, whitewater rafting. And um, anybody ever been to whitewater rafting? You've been rafting? And uh, it was kind of fun. Actually, we used to do this a long time ago where we would do a summer internship and kids would come from all over the country and we would raise up young leaders, tell them to go back to their local church and lead. We're actually going to do that again this summer. Uh, So Stephanie and Candace Davis are going to lead that this summer. It's going to be called DSI. And uh, we're going to do, that stands for Desperation Summer Intensive. And so that's going to come this summer. So if you have friends from across the nation that might want to come spend 10 days here uh, in leadership training, then that might be something you want to tell them about. Um, but my brother and I were leading this, uh, this gig and we decided we we're going to take all these teenagers whitewater rafting. And so we had, uh, we had lots of cool kids. We had kids from states from all over the place. Uh, our, our youngest kid was 14 years old. 14 year olds in here? All right. So yeah, there you go. I got some 14 year olds. We had a 14-year-old, and uh, I can't remember the dude's name. I just remember what we called him. We called him Boston, uh, because he was from Boston. And uh, so we didn't call him by his name. He was the only kid we had from Boston, so we just called him Boston. And uh, Boston was, uh, he was cute, you know. He's was real, real short. He's about my brother's size. And, uh, we, and, 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 and this little dude, we, got, uh, we were headed down, and, uh, and we had probably, how many boats, Dan? I mean, we probably had, man... We had tons of boats heading down the river, and um, lots of rafts. And, and we reached one place where there was lots of rapids. and And uh, and, and you know you know how it is when when you go whitewater rafting. They tell you that when you get into the rapid, that's the moment where you need to row the most. That's the moment where you need to turn up the intensity. That's the if ever there's a moment where everybody needs to row, it's in the rapid. Well. Unfortunately for us, Boston, age 14, got scared in the rapid and freaked. And so, what do I mean by freaked? I mean really freaked. Like, threw his paddle, dove out of the boat, and started swimming for the shore. So, what that led to was that boat started spinning, and then that boat flipped. And so, everybody had signed a waiver, so it was no big deal. But then another boat crashed into it and that boat flipped and before you know it we had boats flipping all over the place my brother and I were in the front of a boat I'll never forget the moment where like I was up in the air and I looked down and my brother is like, ho- like trying to pull like physically pull this girl out of the water and bring her in and then it was like it was it's, like this moment that's just like frozen in my head like I'm looking down and I see my brother Dan and he's like <laughs> you know I mean, for like just an instant. I mean, just an instant. I mean, he looked like the Incredible Hulk, Superman, Batman. I mean, he's, you know, you know, lost her. But <laughs> and it's it a scary moment when you look up and you see all these teenagers just floating down the river. And I was like, oh man, I hope I make it as a youth pastor. But but you know, realistically, like one of the things that I've watched, and and for us as teenagers, or you as teenagers, me when I was one, me hanging out with teenagers for most of my life, is that a lot of times we're really excited when we are, just before we're going to get on the river and we've got some guide saying, here's what you got to do, here's what you got to do, here's what you got to do, here's how you handle the pressure, here's what you got to do in the moment. That's kind of like what Wednesday nights are. We look at each other, we say, here's what we want to do, here's what we're about, here's where we're going, here's what it's going to take. A lot of times, if you can make the river the year and the rapid the moment where it gets tough, when a lot of us reach a rapid, we pull a Boston. We just hightail out. It's like you've prayed at so many prayer meetings. You've come and you've said, I want to go for Jesus. You've said, God, make me bold on my campus. And then when you get the opportunity, then when there's the moment, you're timid. Then when there's the privilege The high opportunity for you to lead on campus It's like, dude, this is a little scary. I'm afraid of what she might think of me. I'm afraid of what he might think of me. I'm out of here. Bail. Pulling a Boston piece. And last week we talked about, let's lead now. But as I began to think about, okay, I I don't want to just look at you and say, go lead. I want to break this down a little bit. How how do you lead? When I look out, I don't see a group of people that attend campuses across town. I see leaders that are going to lead prayer movements and people to Jesus all across town. Every single one of you is a leader. Every single one of you. You don't, you don't get to choose. You're not born a leader or born not a leader. The very nature of you being a Christ follower, you say yes to the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Then you step into fulfilling what he's called you to. The very nature of when Jesus tells us to go serve and when Jesus tells us to go proclaim and when Jesus tells us to go love... That's all leadership. That's all helping other people. And so I want to just ask the question tonight, how do we lead? How do you lead? How do you lead on your campus? We've got all the campuses listed here, most of them. How are you going to lead? What's it going to look like? Jesus, just before he embraces the cross in John 15, he's talking to his disciples I just want to read, he says, verse 12, my command is this. He looks at his disciples, he says, love each other as I have loved you. I mean, that's a whole series in itself. And then he says this, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life, that he take his life, that he lay it down, that he serve up, that he lay down his life for his friends. The the, the interesting thing for me is when I I read that, and of course I know that this is foreshadowing, Jesus is about to go to the cross. And of course all of us know what what it looks like for Jesus to lay down his life for his friends. He's going to lay down his life for the disciples. He's going to lay down his life for the church. He's going to lay down his life for everybody who would call on the name of the Lord. He's going to lay down his life. And he demonstrates it for us. He does not say, you go do it. I'm God. I'll just tell you how to do it. Instead, what he does is says, I am God. I'm going to demonstrate it for you. Now you do what I do. So you want to know, what, is it, what does it mean for us to lead? What does it mean for us? Let's just look at the life of Jesus. What did Jesus do? How did Jesus do it? I know this is going to sound interesting, and some of you are going to get scared at this moment. And this is the moment where you're like, David, I was with you until you said that. But when I look at leadership, when I look at laying down your life, one of the, well, the thing that I see, and this is this is this is this is hard to hear, so stay with me. But when I look at when I look at leaders, I mean people that are really leading something. You know the common piece I often see. Pain. <laughs> All right. See you later. All right. Go do it. No. I see, I, see, I see pain. I see voluntary pain. When Jesus says greater love is known than this, that he laid down his life, Jesus is about to go be crucified. Jesus is about to go be whipped. Jesus is about to go lay down, and he's voluntarily gonna choose, he's gonna choose to sacrifice. It's gonna be hard. He's gonna have literally thorns on his head. And I wanna tell you that as you go to lead on your campus, it's going to be hard. There be moments where something that you're going to have to embrace is that there will be moments of pain. Yeah, I know we love to say the moments about, hey, I, I, I like the moments where I'm, you know, where, where everybody's looking at me or I, I like the moments where, where everybody's saying, hey, we're with you or the moments where God does something really cool and it's just awesome and it feels good. But every movement... Whether it's on a campus, whether it's in revival throughout history, whether it's in a denomination, in a church, whether it's a local church, there's a whole lot of work, a whole lot of sacrifice, a whole lot of even pain that goes on behind the scenes that nobody else sees. And for you to lead on your campus, I want to encourage you that like Christ, you're going to have to develop a little bit of voluntarily choosing to forego some stuff that's going to be some pain. What did Jesus do? I think, number one... One of the things Jesus did is, when it came to reaching, helping his disciples, he prayed for them. Stephen quoted this a minute ago when he quoted John 17. We read, John 17 is called the high priestly prayer, and Jesus prays for his disciples. Number one thing, how can you lead on your campus? Above all else, the number one thing, the first thing that you got to do, is you got to pray for them. You got to pray for your lost friends you got to pray for the friends that may, may even say that they're Christian, even like Justin just said in the video where, where he was, where he, he went to church, but Jesus wasn't real to him. He didn't have a real relationship with Jesus. The number one thing, first thing that you do as a leader, the first thing that you do is not charge the hill and go, you know, wear a Jesus t-shirt and be like, what's up? That's not what you do first. Number one thing that you do is pray. Pray for them. And I want to encourage you, systematic prayer. I mean, make lists of people that you want to come know Jesus. Make lists of things that you want to see happen. Make a note in your eye touch. And just pray for them. Get out a piece of paper. Write down their names. Stick it to your mirror at your house. Pray for them as you're brushing your teeth. Shaving, if you shave. Tell me if you, never mind. I started a couple years ago. I, I, I don't know how you do it, but, but you could even write their name on the lost wall right out here in the World Prayer Center. We have the Furnace Prayer Room. We're going to launch a prayer effort in, in, in November that's going to blow your socks off. I can't, I'm not even going to tell you about it. All I can tell you is that I've been here for 10 years and I've, never been, about, I've been, never been excited about anything like I'm excited about this. And you could go in there and you could write their names. We have a whole lost wall. I mean, and you can, you can you, but list it, write it down. A lot of times what we do is we're, we've so grown up in a religious culture that we think we're praying for people and you're not. You're not. It's kind of like, it's like flossing your teeth. You don't do that either. You just think you do. But you know, if we were to, if we were to write down how many people really, are really praying, I mean day in, day out, you're praying for lost people. For me, the way that it worked for me is once I just literally made a list. I mean, wrote it down. Plain old paper and ink. Figure out a way that works for you. But systematically, I want to encourage you to begin to pray for people. Ask God. And then, and then, not just systematically, but even spontaneously, you want to walk through your day. And you want to kind of be on assignment where you're praying for people. And a lot of times when I, when I say that, I, I've, I've heard about students who walk up to people and they're a little mysterious. And they're like, hey, you know, I, I was walking through the hallway and I saw this person. And I suddenly had a burden for them. And so I walked up to them and, and it was kind of like, hey, brother, would it be okay if I stopped and prayed the fire of God on thee? <laughs> you know what? One of the best things you can do is not, don't, even, don't, even make a, don't even make a gig of it, don't make a spectacle of it. You, nobody can stop you from praying. You can't be stopped. It's a free country. Even in a a country that's not free, you can't stop someone from praying. I mean, Paul's in prison. They can't shut the guy up. It's like, put him in jail. Oh, man, he's still worshiping. Chain him up. Oh, man, he's praying for the guard. You can't stop. Put tape over his mouth. Put duct tape. I don't know if they had duct tape. But you know what I'm saying? They couldn't stop Paul. So you don't have to make a big spectacle and be like, Dearest brother in the Lord I have felt a burden upon my heart for thee Don't do that Just be walking through your school Notice the person who obviously needs God (laughs) Just quietly Just make a note, just pray for him I say yes, one, systematically But two, spontaneously Things that the Lord's doing But number one is this The way that you demonstrate leadership Number one is you are a man or a woman of prayer That's number one, that's first, that's foremost That's foundational, that's the bottom line Number two Build them up. I was sitting at a coffee shop the other day and there were some teenagers sitting uh, at at the table next to me. They don't know that I'm a youth pastor. And I'm listening to them talking. You know, eavesdropping. I know it's wrong, but I did it. The filth coming out of their mouths was, I mean, like I get to hang out with you guys. Like you guys hang out with some messed up people. I was listening to them as they were slandering and making fun of other kids in their school, I was listening to them as, I mean, just, 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 just the few minutes of them sitting next to me made me just feel like, huh, like a blanket of Bleh. I know that's not English, but that's what I felt. I was like, so one of the very obvious things that we can do to be a leader, you want to add value to other people, you want to help other people be encouraged feel good about themselves, and I'll tell you this, if you will just begin to, to build people up in your conversation, you'd be surprised how countercultural that is. People be like, what's up with him? What's up with her? How, I mean, if you, if you just step out of being the snooty, I'm trying to be popular, I'm trying to be cool, so I'm not going to say anything encouraging, but you just start to literally build people up. Your goal is when you start a conversation if they're if they're at this level, you want when you're done, you want to get under them and you want to build them up. You want to say you want to say now I'm not saying be cheese ball and be like, hey, your hair looks cool. I mean, I'm not saying like, don't be weird. But 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 add add kind things to say. You know, if you're going to lead people to Jesus, Romans 2 4 says that it's his kindness that leads to repentance. When they see a kindness it's unmistakable inside of you, when they see that you are kind, when no one else is, or even when they're unkind to you, or even when you don't have to be. You watch, it softens their heart. Number three, way to be a leader on your campus is this: Give stuff away. Just give it away. When you live in a capitalistic economy, you live in a materialistic society. Bottom line is, is that all around us, nobody gives stuff away. We are a culture that consumes. Let me get the coolest clothes. Let me get the latest clothes. Let me wear my hat the coolest, latest way, like Tyrell. Let, I mean, I gotta, I gotta get all. I gotta get the right iPods. I gotta get. I gotta get everything right. And in a culture like that, the kind of person that just is generous. If you'll be someone on your campus that like gives stuff away, I mean seriously, I mean Jesus said it, I mean Jesus said, you know, someone asks for your tunic, give them your cloak too, you know, like I've heard a lot of weird interpretations of that, that's not anything weird. That's just, if someone asks and you can give to them, man that's a great opportunity and you watch. If you'll just be someone that gives, it's kind of like what we just watched in this video, when Byrne went down to Birmingham, and they went, and they just, they, they gave, it took their dollars to get down there, and they, when they give of their time, when they give of their money, when they give of their stuff for other people, there's something about that. It's kind of what, even what we did, when we've raised money to, to orphan homes in other parts of the world, there's something about that, that people that are not close to Christ, when they see that inside of you, and they see your willingness to sacrifice, to just give, your time, your dollars, your stuff. I think it'd be cool, I think it'd be cool if one of the marks of, of, of DSM is that we got kids on campuses just giving stuff away. People would be like, dude, you know, I like your earrings. You're like, what's up? Here you go. <gasps> oh, David, how can you say that? Like, those are my earrings. I don't want to do that. See, that's the problem. Like, we need to be where we want their salvation more than we want these earrings. All right? I don't have them. <laughs> I know it looks like it because of this thing. But when, when, when you have the opportunity to give, what would happen if generosity so marked us that, I mean, that, you want to talk about asking the salvation question. What's with you, dude? What's with you? If you're a generous person, okay, number four is this. Leadership requires pressure. Say pressure. Now, I know pressure kind of sounds like what I was saying about pain, but listen to Paul. 2 Corinthians 11. Listen to Paul here. Are you with me? All right. Verse 23. So here's the context. You've got people that have got into the church. They're called heretics. Heretics are people that are preaching a false gospel. So you've got people that have gotten given false doctrines into the church. and, And Paul here in 2 Corinthians, he's trying to straighten things out. So that's the context when he goes into this rant, all right? Verse 23. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind for talking like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. That's a different kind of stone back in that day. This is... This is like rocks being thrown at you. This isn't like recreational stoning like we talk about now. (laughs) Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. That's involuntarily. I've been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen. In danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure. Say pressure. I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. This is interesting. So Paul goes, besides all those other things, being stoned and naked and all that, should have read some more, but besides those things, I carry within me the pressure of I want the church of Jesus Christ to succeed. And and as a leader, I carry it within me. It's something that I just Because I so desire the propagation of the gospel. Because I so desire the people to know Christ. Because I want the churches to succeed. I want the mission that Jesus personally showed up, talked to me, Acts chapter 9, told me to go preach the gospel to the Gentiles. He told me to do this. I want to see. Not, I I, I care about the people. I care about the church. I want their hearts. And so I carry a pressure. And that's leadership. Right here. Because the way that most of us live our lives is, hey, I'm just going to be me. And if an opportunity comes my way, then hey, I need to take it. That's a whole different game than, hey, God's called me to reach Discovery Canyon. And during my senior year of high school, on my watch, I'm going to make sure, I'm going to carry the pressure that kids on my campus hear the gospel. I'm going to carry the pressure that there's prayer happening like crazy on my campus. I'm going to carry the pressure to make sure that every kid at some point gets to hear about Jesus, I'm going to look for ways and opportunities. I'm going to carry that pressure. See, you can walk through your high school and not carry that pressure. You can walk through your high school and just be like, dude, I'm just a church kid. My parents go to church, so I'm just doing the gig. And I'm just trying to make it. And most of you live trying an opposite pressure. You're just trying not to give in to a peer pressure. Where they make you like them. Where you start to value materialism. Where you start to value lust where you start to value laziness. And sometimes we talk about teen culture like, hey, let's just try to get them through their teen years and make it through all the peer pressure. I, I, can I t- be honest with you? If that's my role to help you not give in to peer pressure, I quit. That, that makes me so bored. That, that tires me to think about it to live on defense, let's just help you guys just not be bad people, shoot me in the face. I mean, that's, that's miserable talk. Now, Jesus has given us a commission. Jesus has told us that the gates of hell would not be able to overcome our offensive strength. The way that we're going to live is we're going to go and be kids on mission, on our campuses, and we're going to make sure that on our watch, on the days that we have as many as possible, get to hear Jesus, that there's prayer happening, there's evangelism happening, that they're getting to know, know Christ. You are a leader, and my passion is that even like Paul, you would carry a pressure, a God ordained, it's my opportunity to reach my school, pressure. Uh, Hey, I got before years on this campus, and I want to make sure that I let as many people know as possible the good news of Jesus Christ, pressure. My hope is that that lives inside of you. My hope is that starts to rise. I mean, that it's not just the videos. It's not just people saying it. It's happening, and it is happening. It is happening. I'm getting text messages through the week about what God's doing on campuses, there's are starting to be young men and women that are raising, raising rising, rising, rising. that are starting to, to, starting to preach, starting to pray, starting to own it, starting to own that campus. Friends, let me tell you this. If you start doing this at your age right now, this will set you on a trajectory in these formidable years to live this way for years to come. And what happens if it's not just Hey, guys, don't do drugs. Hey, guys, don't make out with each other. Hey, guys, let's be good. No. Ugh. No. No, that just, that makes me cry. No, who we are, we're leaders on campus going after it. Number five, if you're going to be a leader, you're going to have to learn to shrug off mockery. You'll be mocked. Every leader is. Business leaders, political leaders, spiritual leaders, every leader gets mocked. Every leader gets joked around about. One of the things I've watched so many guys derail, when they get into the rapid, they just like pull a Boston, I'm out of here, check is when they get made fun of a little bit. Do you know that that's actually your joy? You know, Jesus said in Matthew 5, when they mock you, that's actually your high privilege. That's, your, that's an awesome moment for you. I mean, that, seriously, that's, like a, that's a killer. It's, it, when, if, someone, if someone writes a blog about how crazy you are for Jesus, that's not your moment to be like, man, I'm throwing in the towel, hold up the white flag, I'm out. Jump out of the boat, <laughs> That's your moment consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. That's not Matthew 5, that's James. But that's, that's, that's your joy. You get, James says, consider it pure joy. I think you're going to face it. First Corinthians 4, 9, Paul says, It seems to me that God has put us who bear his message on stage in a theater in which no one wants to buy a ticket or something everyone wants to stand around and stare at like an incident in the street where the Messiah's misfits. Welcome to your life. Jesus in Matthew 9, Jesus was laughed at. You can read it. When Jesus says that he's gonna raise the little girl from the dead, three gospels record the story. All three, they record that the people laughed at Jesus. If they laughed at Jesus, they'll laugh at you. It's part of the gig. It's part of leadership. It's part of what's going to happen. One of the fun things for me is I've watched, I've, got, I've gotten to watch some mature Christian leaders, and one of the things I've noticed about mature Christian leaders is that they not only learn how to walk through it, but they expect it. They know it's coming. And they just shrug it off, of course. I remember one guy, a whole book was written against him. I mean, a book. I'm not talking a tweet. A book. A guy wrote a book saying, this guy's crazy. I remember I thought this was going to devastate the guy. And he was like, (laughs) smile. I remember, I was in the eighth grade, and I just looked at him like, you got to be kidding me. That doesn't even bother you. Part of it. Part of what happens. So if you can go from just, oh, I want to make it through when that happens, I want you to get to the point where you expect it and i don't talk to you as a theoretician someone's just saying hey here's the I, i've walked this road i know this road this is my junior high road this is my high school road sometimes this is my 33 year old road it's going to happen so as a leader on campus you need to be at the place where you just expect it you're a leader you're a leader if you stand for something people are going to mock you people are going to nag people are going to tweet people are going to blog people are going to joke people are going to mock it's part of your gig part of your cross that you carry. Number six is this. Embrace your platform. Embrace it. Here's what I mean by that. There's some of you, you're going to be like Sky Miller. You know, Sky Miller, he's kind of like, yeah. Some of you that are like Sky, Sky's kind of a natural preacher, he's an intercessor guy and that's his platform. That's great. Some of you, that that doesn't seem like that personality. Some of you maybe a little bit, might be a little more athletic, might be kind of the Cool daddy, Augustine kind of guy, you know, kind of slick, you know, kind of quiet, but you know, really likes people, loves people. All the girls got a crush on that kind of thing. That that might be more. But here's the deal: if you have athletic ability like like Augustine, that's a platform. That's a platform for Augustine, and it might look different than what the way that Sky's going to go reach D C C C C C C at T C A TCA on the basketball team. It's going to look a little bit different. If you're Preston Coles, you just got leadership all over you. It looks a little bit. Everybody, it looks different. If you're Daniel Webb, it's like, you know, you're analytical. You care about people's strengths, and you're like, "What's up, geez?" I mean, that's Daniel. This Amy Perkins, just passionate intercession at the top of her voice. All right, she's got her platform. She's got a style, and I just want to encourage you guys. If you're Jared Newman, you're just, everything works for you. You're just cool and handsome and play baseball and everybody thinks you're awesome. You, you just be like, what's up? People are like, whoa. John Egan, you just put your hair up and everybody's like, oh, ah. you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> I just watched it. Listen, it's one of, one of the cool things about the body of Christ is that all of us have different gifts. All of us have different talents. Some of you, some of you will be like some of those guys. Some of you will be more like me. it just be the praying Oompa Loompa on campus. <laughs> it's going to take different forms. It's going to take different, but, but, but embrace, embrace, embrace your gifting and the way that God's called you to lead. And sometimes when I say lead, people like kind of freak out about that, and they don't really know what I mean, and they're kind of like, well, I don't know if I can do it the way you're talking, and I'm not talking about, I, go, go the way that God's called you to go. Use the gifting and the callings and the abilities and the crafts and the... Record, I, I, I don't know the different talents that you have. Your football players, I don't know, but do, do go the way that God's called you. But lead, but lead. Embrace, embrace whatever platform it is. Last one is this: stay steady. Stay steady. The temptation is to come out of the gate, August 2010. You're a junior, you're a senior, and you're like, mm, I'm going to do this thing. I'm gonna go full bore and watch this, man. And by mid-October, you're beat up, discouraged, burnout, tired, irritated. Listen, here's the deal: get in a marathon pace, not a sprint pace. Here's what you want to do: you want to set yourself and go. I'm gonna be in this for the long haul. My goal is not that we have, you know, a bunch of prayer meetings start and half of them are gone by see it at the poll day. I want on commencement, at high schools across town, for the prayer meetings to be strong. And that means you've got to plan well. It means you've got to work it out with your parents well. It means you've got to talk to your friends well. It's going to require some planning, it's going to be, it's going to require some time management. How are we going to do this? How are we going to do it? Let's figure it out. It's going to require a little bit of work and stay steady. That means, yes, your pain may be moments where it's getting up early in the morning. Your pain may be managing and organizing prayer leaders. Your pain may be figuring out how to do an event at your campus where you have somebody come and preach the gospel. I don't know what it'll look like. But leadership is sacrifice. Leadership requires pain. Leadership means you kind of carried that pressure. But I'll tell you this. All it takes, all it takes, if about if about 50 to 100 of you catch fire and be like, I'm going to lead on campus, we will see a move of God on campuses in this city in a historic way. It'll happen. I know you've heard this before, but if Jesus does it with 12, or he changes the world. John Wesley said, give me 100 who love only God and hate only sin will change the world. Man, what could happen? What could happen if we do this? So I'm not this tonight. This isn't a rah the talk. Man, this is like—I just want you to get this. I want you to commit. I want to be a leader. I'm going to embrace some of these things. Apply them to my life. All right, everybody, stand up. Let me pray for you. Nico, you in the house, man. If you want to be a leader, I'm not going to make you come forward. I just—if you're just—I—I want to embrace the pain, the pressure, the sacrifice necessary to be an effective leader on my campus. That's you. I don't care if you feel mature or you feel weak, but you are in. I'm not saying that you're mature. I'm not saying that you're like the guy, you're the girl. You got to figure it out, but your heart, that's who you want. You've prayed it in the past, but you're in and you're still in. You're still in. Raise your hands with me. God we're your people we're not content to live average Laodicean lethargic existences we have but one passion it's Christ alone we have only one God him we give our lives to we will follow you Break our hearts for Pikes Peak Community College. Break our hearts for Discovery Canyon, for Rampart. Break our hearts for Pine Creek. Break our hearts for Palmer, LP, God. Father we love you. Make us leaders. We're not church attenders. We're leaders. You guys, look at me real quick. Okay. You know how, you know how like in a football game, like a football game, you go into the huddle, you get the plan, and then you go onto the field and you, 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 you take the ball down the field? last thing we want to be is people that like come into the huddle, get the plan, cheer each other on, they go sit on the bench and then we come on for a huddle, go sit on the bench and then we go in the huddle We go. that's dumb, it's just that's not the game you're not in the game guys, I don't, I don't want to do the deal where we say hey Let's come to church every week, Go, come to the huddle, encourage each other on, and we don't do anything. The, the, like, 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 you guys are the ones in the game. You guys are the ones out there. We're just like the goofy guys with hot dogs in the stands cheering you on. You are the ones out there. It's not like this is the hub, and then you guys are... no. You are the ones making the impact on the campuses in the city. And we as your pastors and interns, man, we really want to cheer you on, but you you gotta do the stuff. You're the ones preaching the gospel. You're the ones leading the prayer meetings. You're the ones coming up with plans. You're the ones coming up with ideas. We're here to serve you. We'll, we'll do everything we can. But really, can I be honest with you? You don't need us. You don't. You don't need us. Ere- Preston, you don't need Daniel. You don't need you, I mean, you. You don't need Nico. I mean, this guy's awesome. But you don't need him. Uh, you don't need this. We love it. Please don't quit. We love it. But you don't need him. You don't need it. You've got Jesus. You've got a mission. Your mission is your campus. Let's go get her done. Amen? And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did. Because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. They've got a vision and a mission for their life.